The CDC declared from day one that pools are safe. They're outdoor. The chlorine does mitigate the, the virus. So uh, now our pools are coming back online, and especially now people need the money. Not only are pools, municipal pools, opening and that sort of thing, or are they? I don't know. I haven't seen them. Not around me, they're not, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I wish other they parts would. of the country, but this new uh, service, it's uh, Swimply, an app that has been described as Airbnb for swimming pools, seen a surge in new users. Due to the, co- the corona, the COVID, people are canceling vacations. They may want to travel, have fun, splash in the pool with the kids. They don't have a pool. So it's an Airbnb for pools. Hmm. Uh, app allows people to rent swimming pools by the hour. Owners can include other amenities like the use of a grill or fire pit. I don't have a pool. Are home pools chlorined enough to kill everything off usually? You might want to up the dose a little bit. We actually have a, a salt system in our pool that you have very little chlorine, and it's the saltiness of the water keeps it safe. Boy, if I'm thinking about the public pool, because I've, I've wished the pool were open, because my kids love going to the public pool, and that just it's, it's a fun thing we do. And the concession stand and just the whole thing um, is fun. Uh, but... Boy, that's a lot of kids with a lot of snot and spit and urine and everything else that carries COVID. Yeah. Swapping around. Yeah. Yeah. And other things. Uh, Well, yeah, I would be out there and I'd be keeping an eye. You're not peeing over there, are you? I mean. I can tell by the look on your face you're peeing. I'd have to run them through the shower. Though. I don't I don't want anybody who's not so uh, uh, careful with their cleanliness jumping in my pool either, mm. but. I could see, you know, they don't mention the rates. It's funny, the last paragraph of this <laughs> stupid article is, for in-ground pools, costs can start as low as $20,000 for vinyl. I mean, as if the first impulse when you see the story is to build a pool. <laughs> no, what, are, what, are you, what do you pay to rent a pool? What, what, girl, what? girl, look at her. She is shaving. <laughs> what the? Oh, my God. This lady is shaving in the pool. So in the pool. <laughs> this lady is shaving in the pool. You know, Jackie. What's could next? Bring... She's going to do her yoo-hoo, I think, was the next <laughs> line of that. Yeah. Please don't be doing your yoo-hoo in the pool. Oh, no. Yes, Michael. You could rent your horse tank. Yes. For low rate. Swim in our horse tank. <laughs> Just undercut your neighbor's pool. Exactly. Half of that gets you a horse tank. Boy, I, I don't know. This could be an income stream for me. I don't love the idea, but, you know, I have a pretty nice pool. I could, sure, you can use my gas grill for a fee, or I can have snacks. Please, give you a, sell you a bag of potato chips for triple what they cost me. Is this me. what you want to do with your time? Yeah, That's I don't what know. I want to do. Sounds like easy living. <laughs> I'll sit out there in the back in the tent. Yeah. Excuse me, can I buy some potato chips? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Just raking it in. Yeah, you got it. Uh, you need uh, something to wash that down with? Kids want an opera? Otter pop? Dollar each. Otter pops are a dollar each. Oh, yeah, I'll have a little freezer out there. <laughs> dollar. That's great. What does an otter pop cost me? You can buy like 50 of them for. Uh, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. So there's a new book out by an historian. Hey, no running. No running. <laughs> hey! Is that horseplay? <laughs> no! Horseplay says so on the sign. Actually, there'd be plenty of horseplay, but you do whatever you want. Just don't drown. Hmm. You, dr- you drown, I'm heaving you over the fence and saying i never seen you before. <laughs> All right? Jeez. Hey, it's your lungs. None of my business. You don't want to drown? Be careful. I'm heaving you over the fence. Oh, that's funny. 
So there is an historian out with a new book. They don't say the name of the book here, I don't think, because uh, I'd like to know. But um, Too many books. Claire Gover- Potter. Government needs to limit the number of books. Her new book is about the danger political junkies present to the health of our democracy. Wow, you'd wait think, a minute. You'd think political junkies would help the democracy, but they're not. Using the online shaming of the Covington Catholic students in the in 2019 as an example, she argues that similar sagas will keep playing out until we stop prioritizing our partisan addictions over everything else. Digital media outlets are still shaping stories to create conflict, and mainstream media outlets still lean on social media to feed us, feed them as tip lines. This person sounds like a right. genius so far. Well, yeah, you know, or, I, or just observing what's obviously happening. Hey, that reminds me, Barry Weiss, uh, formerly in the New York Times, making the rounds again. We have a little tape of her uh, talking. We'll get to that when appropriate. These practices will continue to hurt all of us until we grapple with what di- digital media has become, what role it plays in our political imagination, and why we are so unwilling to put our responsibility to be informed as citizens ahead of the pleasure and excitement of being political junkies. Boy, that's the first time I've heard that phrase that way. It's sort of like, oh, you're talking earlier about uh, weight and how you're much more likely to get sick, bad, or die of the COVID if you're if you're overweight, if you're obese. But um, you know, that's that's it's, you know some lifestyle choices in there. Mm-hmm. Am, am I willing to make some sacrifices to try to to try to stay thinner? For most right. of us, um, are we willing to do that as a society for uh, for the betterment of the the, the the national discourse? Can you read that again? I want to commit that to memory. That why Why are we so unwilling to put our responsibility to be informed citizens ahead of the pleasure and excitement of being political junkies? Mm. And there's no doubting there is pleasure and excitement in the in the you know the sort of stories that are doing the the mo, most harm. And then you know the details of those stories that may not be quite true are the the, the 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 little chocolate chips we really like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm reminded of uh I can't remember the exact lyric. It's a 10,000 maniacs song from way back in the 80s, I think it was, but uh, it's essentially, you know, violence. That's a lot of maniacs. Uh, well, jeez, <laughs> more than you can handle. Um it's if uh, you know, violence and sex is the candy, give them what they want. There are industries built on giving you crap. Well, that's fine if it's music or something else or even food because it's an individual choice, but um can a society put down the chocolate chips and eat their broccoli of real news no. to stop the decay? No. Probably not. Okay, it's been answered, <laughs> so let's move on. <laughs> I'm looking around me, and no. I'm looking around me and observing my own behavior. Yeah, yeah. So, Hey, hit me with Barry Weiss, clip 12 there, would you? The reason that Twitter is the assigning editor of the New York Times is because the printing press isn't the printing press anymore. It's because the publishing, the printing press is in each one of our pockets. These technologies have severed our relationships with the, you know, the editors and the newspapers we used to rely on. Right. We're all, uh, we're all children and, and the children have decided it's uh, chocolate chips and, uh, we're having cake for dinner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Chocolate chips and Jolly Ranchers for dinner. Oh, God. I thought she made this interesting point, too, and that's it. That was from Bill Maher this past weekend where she talks about how people defend cancel cultures. Oh, no, these are just people being criticized for the first time in their lives. I thought this was interesting. This is good. In order to do our job well, writers and editors, we need to have a level of bravery and thick skin and fearlessness. And when you are living in fear of an online mob, that's extremely dangerous. What cancel culture is about is not criticism. It is about punishment. 
It's not about criticism. It's about punishment. Well, that's that clearly is true. Said. That's yeah. obviously true. If it were about criticism or making things better, you would allow people to apologize and try to do better. Because mm-hmm. you're just trying to make the world better. No, right. you want punishment. Right, exactly. Cancel! Which is why... Oh, that's good, Michael. That's oh, good. I asked, I, can... I asked for a little sound effect at the end of the word. Play that again. Cancel! So is that a lightning bolt or... Something like that. It doesn't matter what it is. But it just fa- sounds good. The fact that it's more about punishment than than making things better is exactly why it's it's so similar to the French Revolution and what was going on at the time. Right. Yeah. It becomes a... It's just a pure exercise of power, too. Even if people don't realize they're doing it, they're not doing it on purpose because the standard changes every day and the only thing that matters is the passion of the mob. People become terrified and... and and want nothing but to obey. It's a naked power play. That's why one of the most disturbing things that I ever learned about slavery, and it came through Tim, I think it was through something Tim Sandifer recommended I read. The slavers were intentionally completely inconsistent with who got punished for what and how severely. They didn't want the slaves to understand standards and rules they wanted them to constantly be terrified yeah that's so horrible it is oh it's it's unspeakably cruel but that's also the way uh uh, uh, um, concentration camps worked and any organ of oppression they don't want you to know what the rules are that's part of keeping you terrorized and that's what the 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 twitter mob and the canceled uh, crowd the the woke culture And again, some of you, you young, whipped up militants who think you're on the right side of history, which is one of the most obnoxious phrases ever coined. um, You (laughs) think you're doing something right, but you're being manipulated to be the weapons of the most awful people on Earth. Those who would oppress their fellow man. It's what pisses me off so much about the the young woke crowd. They they're so full of self righteousness, and they are dragging their school teachers into the streets and beating them to death to please Chairman Mao, or the equivalent. Um, are you familiar with the Free Britney movement? I was not real. I did not realize she was unfree. I assume we're uh, discussing Britney Spears. She's being held captive, according to many people on uh, the internet. She is. Uh, and her father is actually having to speak out about that because uh, so many people seem to believe she's being held captive. Well, she's a little crazy. Is she, she gone like uh, down Conway Street or not Conway, Kanye Street? She does seem a little crazy. She uh, maybe got uh, uh, you know a little something going on in her head. Got a lot of life pressures. I'm um, sorry to hear that. That also, the Twitter hackers uh, apparently have been caught. Who who made the biggest hack in Twitter history? Was it Fancy Bear? The Russian hacker. And we'll continue our uh, look back at Wolford Brimley's career. (laughs) He played one role over and over again. It won't take long. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I'm trying to read this story about the big Twitter hack. It was the biggest hack Twitter's ever had. Remember when that happened a week or so ago? 
I do. All those different accounts, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, Barack Obama, Apple. I promise you this, my trusted Twitter followers, I will never offer to double your Bitcoin. <laughs> he was a seven- Not when I can triple it. <laughs> the mastermind was a 17-year-old from Tampa, wow. Florida. Was it uh, Trump's 400-pound guy on his bed? Remember that? I don't know what he weighs, but it more or less, <laughs> more or less the same idea that just, you know, any any person that that, that just has the brain to do it can do it. 17-year-old. Wow. I'll be child. <laughs> so. Oh, does, that reminds me. Uh, do you got more on that? Does he get hired by the government then? Probably. He, yeah, he probably he, he becomes a white hat hacker. Yeah, yeah, he should. Yeah. Interesting. There's a woke youngster in a town I used to live who's, who wants every all the names changed because one of the guys who owned most of it back in the days, he, he built his fortune on exploiting Chinese laborers or something like that. So no more woke children, all right? No more. I should be in school. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, like that uh, the kid in uh, Massachusetts who made to start the big controversy over the thin blue line flag. No more woke kids driving policy. Be quiet. Okay, Boomer. Get a job, all right? Go to, to, to finish high school. Nobody cares what you think. You're a child. Be quiet. <laughs> Nobody cares what you think. You're a child. Be quiet. Yes. Get off my lawn. <laughs> all the city fathers with their panties in a twist because some 19-year-old woke jackass is offended. Who cares? Ignore them. I'd like to help you, son, but you're too young to vote. Come on, those were the days. Do we have any Wilford Brimley? I feel like we need to pay tribute to the great man. Yeah, says he died over the weekend. It's the right thing to do. <laughs> I'm Wilford Brimley, and I'd like to talk to you for a few minutes about diabetes. <laughs> diabetes. Uh, somebody pointed out, and I knew I knew there was one good bad guy role for him. He was the bad guy in the Tom Cruise movie, The Firm, and oh, he right. was great in that. Yes, yeah. menacing. He should have done more of those, because he was freaking fantastic. I mean, that's kind of the uh, similar character to when he was the uh, the Postmaster General for, in Seinfeld. He was, the, he was the heavy, the intimidator. In addition to being a Postmaster, I'm a general. And we both know... It's the job of a general to, by God, get things done. There you go. Any Seinfeld episode that was heavy on uh, Newman was a good episode. (laughs) All right. Um, The Wall Street Journal editorial board pointed out something important and somewhat obvious in retrospect about Barack Obama's speech at the funeral last week of John Lewis. I'll tell you about that coming up in a little bit because it takes a little uh, it takes a few minutes to spell that out. Or how much time have I got, Michael? How much time do I need? Three minutes is plenty of time. Please, you can how tell your life story. Good Lord, right. yeah. Come on. Tell my life story. Um, so it got everybody's attention. I think right, left, and center when Barack Obama is speaking there. Because Bill Clinton spoke, George Bush, Bush spoke, and they talked about civil rights and John Lewis and, you know, what we owe to society and blah, blah, blah. The kind of things you say to memorial service. Mm-hmm. Then then Barack Obama got up there and kind of just out of nowhere, he's talking about the filibuster rule in the Senate. Yeah, went heavily political. Went heavily political and said that the filibuster rule in the Senate, that is the rule that means you need 60 votes really to get anything done. It's not just a majority rule like the House. I thought the filibuster was about getting up there and just blabbing on for hours on end. No, now all you have to do is check a box in a form. Basically. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Okay. Um, 
So, in other words, you rarely have the votes to just jam something through as one party or the other. You have to get some buy-in from the other party. Um, and that's the way it's been for a long time. And, and both parties at various times have threatened to do away with it. Um, Trump wanted to do away with it when uh, when he had the, the House, the Senate, and the presidency. But Mitch McConnell wouldn't because he thought it was a bad idea. In fact, at that time in 2017, almost every Senate Democrat signed on saying, no, this is what this institution is about as the as the greatest deliberative body in the world is is in doing away with the filibuster rule would ruin that. Well, and so, there's a very good reason that it exists. Barack Obama mentioned it as a tool of Jim Crow era politics, a relic of the Jim Crow era. Wow. And everybody thought, what? <clears throat> what is that? Well, the the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal thinks he is laying the groundwork for people being able to justify it, and in some cases, you got to go along with it, or you're a racist if you want to keep a keep around a Jim Crow era relic, man, the filibuster, because it was used to stop civil rights legislation legislation back in the day. Well, that may be, but that doesn't mean it's a bad idea today, and that's something I was talking about this earlier. If you make it about race, it it gives you cover. And people are afraid to say, well, that's a bad idea. Oh, are you a racist? I mean, it's so naked. Oh, my gosh. So why does that matter? We'll tell you about that when we come back. Because it's a big deal. And there's a reason that Republicans and Democrats have kept this around for such a long time. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. By ending some of the partisan gerrymandering so that all voters have the power to choose their politicians, not the other way around. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. That was Obama. That was telling oh, right yeah. there. And and that he, got so many people's attention. You're talking about the filibuster at a memorial for a guy. What is that all about? And well, calling it a civil rights relic. Well, just a, a quick reaction to the crowd's reaction. When he said, if it takes eliminating the filibuster, silence. As everybody thought, what? But then when he said, relic of Jim Crow, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it's just... He made it about racism, incorrectly to my mind, well, and all of a sudden, yeah, I, I'm before that. Well, I'm horrified by what the results might be. I don't know be. what it is, but I'm for it. I'm horrified by what the results might be, but this is some pretty brilliant maneuvering, I think, by Barack Obama on a big stage, got a lot of attention, and the Wall Street Journal says Obama's filibuster swipe. He framed it as racist that will end debate among Democrats. Because wow. there are a lot of Democrats, enough Democrats, that weren't going to vote for ending the filibuster because they think it's important to the Senate to keep it, as Republicans and Democrats have thought for quite some time. Mm-hmm. I'll read from the Wall Street Journal. Republicans kept the legislative filibuster intact when Democrats were a minority, but in a Democrat-controlled Senate, expect institutional arguments to wilt under the racism charge Mr. Obama previewed. The logic goes like this. Adding states to the United States, which is on the table, or packing the courts is expected to increase Democratic political power. Republicans are the modern-day obstacle to liberal policies and therefore, by definition, the opponent of civil rights. Therefore, supporting the filibuster perpetuates the legacy of Jim Crow. 
That reminds me of the racist, anti-racist thing, where since the institutions of this country are racist, if you support them, you're a racist. So if you support the filibuster, you're a racist. Uh, Going on from the Wall Street Journal, with Mr. Obama's blessing, this will become conventional wisdom among liberal intellectuals. Yeah, the media will buy into this. And woe betide a Democrat who disagrees. Centrist Democrats won't survive primaries if they support the filibuster. And our guess is that even West Virginia's Joe Manchin, who last week pushed back against the anti-filibuster drive, won't stand in the way if he's the decisive 50th vote. This might be the most important issue of our time. And I think oh, the very, number well, of Americans easily. who appreciate it might be 1%. Certainly short term. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and here's why. Just very briefly. The Senate was designed to be older, wiser, slower, more considerate. You got the older part. Than the House. <laughs> In fact, senators weren't even directly elected for a very long time. The idea being, if you got a majority... There's still a very large number of people in the country who are represented by the other side. And you're not going to jam something down their throats. It's just not the way a country should function. It's not the way a decent people should function. And so you would, you would say, all right, I've got to have a certain number of the people on the other side of the aisle say, you know what, I might not love your legislation, but we can work together on it. Maybe we can soften it, and let's go ahead and debate it. You had to get at least that much buy-in, which protects the minority voters. And it's just, it's a great idea. Uh, as the Wall Street Journal sums up there in the end, um, voters should be aware of what they're getting. The door to ending the filibuster is being busted wide open, and Americans of both parties may not like what comes out the other side. Because right now, if you're going to get a big piece of you know, pick a controversial topic, or, or it doesn't even have to be controversial, but uh, immigration law through. You can't get everything you want as the Republican Party or everything you want as the Democratic Party. You're going to mm-hmm. have to you're going to have to come up with enough to get some votes from the other side, but not if it, they end a filibuster. It's just full on whatever the parties are into at the at the time. Close the borders, open them completely. Right. Um, giant spending bills that could go through that you don't even you don't even have to worry about anything because all you need is 50 votes. You got the House, you got the Senate, and a president who's going to sign it. Yeah. And then they're talking about in the Wall Street Journal about adding two states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico as a state. Do you really only need to do that? Or you, you don't have to get votes from other states or anything? I don't actually know the process for adding a state. I assume the Wall Street Journal wouldn't mention that if it weren't possible. Mm-hmm. House, Senate, and president signs off on it. You add states that are almost certainly going to be blue. You just added that much more in the electrical. electrical. I always say electrical. Mm-hmm, you do. In the electoral college. Yeah. Yeah. Or a variety of other things. Green New Deal. All you got to do is please all the Democrats to get that through. You don't have to right. please a single Republican to get that through. Tell you what, next time the Republicans are in charge. Oh, and that's the problem, yeah. They turn uh, Alaska into five different states, all of them red. That'd be the next maneuver. So, Can you imagine a situation where you got a family, mom, dad, three kids? I'm very traditional. Uh, and in in a situation where dad could get the vote of two of the kids, they would could do anything, no matter how much mom hated it or in the other kid, and that they never had any regard for what mom and the other kid wanted to do or thought or felt or whatever. How long would that? Fa- oh, I'm sorry, they've already fallen apart. That fam divorce, hatred, estrangement, etc. That's what we're we're headed toward. Well, the key to this is to recognize that it's going to swing back and forth so crazily. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Mom lines up that swing vote. All of a sudden, dad's on the short end of it. And he hates her for it. <laughs> um, and it all stars Wilford Brimley as the granddad who comes in and says, listen, unless you want a caboose full of buckshot, you two got to talk out your problems. Let me tell you something, John. Next time you send one of them peddlers over to my house, I'm going to fill his caboose full of rock salt, and he can thank you for that. <laughs> now, I remember we had Tim the lawyer on about this one time. It was particularly about approving judges, and he said there's nothing in the Constitution about it. You know, so he is fine with it. Getting um, rid of the filibuster? I'm just, uh, that's true. I just think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, I, I think you will have wild swings back and forth. How about foreign policy stuff? No. Foreign policy stuff. We're just we, we're we're a completely different nation when it comes to uh, you know who we support and who we don't support. You know that's a great point. That it will really diminish our power around the world and our influence because you can sign a treaty with us, but it's only going to be good for another year and a half or whatever till the other side gets in power. But if Trump were smart and could not not make the the, the election all about him. God, I would run on this topic practically only. Make it not about me at all. It's about you got to have me there. If, if the Democrats get the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they'll, they'll be able to do it, and then you laundry list all the things. Right, right. They about, pull anything crazy, I'll veto it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think Trump has a lot of uh, ability to not make it about him. Because that would work on a lot of people. We were thinking, you know, I, I'm I'm pro your policy. I'm a little I'm a little anti your personality, so I don't think I can handle anymore. But this whole Senate thing, you're right. The filibuster, I'm on board. Tip the scales. Yeah. Yep. These are interesting times. I'd say. <whistles> we'll see what happens. I, but again, pretty clever move by Obama. I, I was wondering. Oh, insidious. It, it just it just clever. it just struck everybody as what? Why? 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 Such a jarring. Okay, well, there's a plan behind it. Oh yeah, you got the sainted civil rights leader being laid to rest, and you tie a policy to racism at his funeral. Unbelievable. And and so many saps will fall for it. So many so many of the white guilt crowd, the overeducated suburban white women with their. If somebody says it's racist, I'm against it. No matter what it is, you could tell them breastfeeding is racist and they'd pull their teeth from their baby's mouth. These saps and sapettes. Um, we could play the Bill Maher. Uh, I think breast probably would have done, you know, as opposed to teat in that little screed. But yeah, we work in rough, These are hard times. We work in rough drafts around here. All right. <laughs> Unfortunately, you get to hear them. <laughs> we'll give you the, the, the we'll give the finished product to the better listeners. <laughs> what I don't know. <laughs> um, we can play the Bill Maher stuff again from Friday night. I thought that was pretty good. It's pretty strong. Yeah, and remember, tuning out is racist. So there you go. You yeah. have to stay tuned now. No choice. So many lives could have been saved if at the very beginning of this crisis, the medical establishment had made a more concerted effort to tell Americans, while you're in lockdown, getting free money for not working, 
you need to do something too. Even the poorest person could switch out soda at meals for water. It'll save you money too. The national campaign to get in shape would have dramatically improved our chances against this disease and made us feel better about ourselves to boot, but it was never even mentioned. Wow. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting from Bill Maher on Friday night. He, uh, well, we should do this. How about that second longer clip where he runs through some of the statistics of how much more dangerous it is to be overweight with the COVID? With COVID-19, you're twice as likely to have a poor outcome if you're obese. Actually, it's worse than that. Public Health England found that people with a body mass index of 35 to 40 have a 40% greater risk of dying from COVID. And over 40, it's a 90% greater risk. Even being mildly obese makes it five times more likely that catching the virus will land you in the ICU. And now people are gaining even more weight. They call it the quarantine 15. Geez, I remember when plagues had a slimming effect on people. <laughs> um, uh, that is something, though, that you got a bunch of doctors, and that never even gets mentioned. At least I haven't heard it. <laughs> and if you don't even want to get to... I'm sorry, I just calculated my BMI, and it says a normal weight for me. I'm, I'm 5'10", almost 5'11", I think, at this point. Uh, normal, I weigh just what do you mean about at this point. Are you growing? <laughs> well, no, taller? I, as my, as my hips degenerated, I lost height and you're taller now. Uh, slightly. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh yeah. It's great. I've, I've been dunking on, uh, on guys. <laughs> so posterizing. You're mostly. actually taller than you were last year. Yeah. A little bit. Wow. Yeah. That doesn't happen to Although many people. I'm getting older and my spine's compressing too, as the world grinds me down. But well, here's, here's, <laughs> that's not the point. This is the point. So I'm overweight at this point, at 5'10-ish, about 200 pounds. For your height, a normal weight range, and I'm going to give it to you backwards because the punchline is the low number. (laughs) Normal weight range for me would be between 174 pounds and 129. 129? 129? A flyweight. Oh, my God, I'd be emaciated. I mean, am I dead in this scenario? Did you transform into a hummingbird? Holy cow. I got no muscle mass. I got no fat. I got no teeth. I mean, if if I have 32 teeth, that's going to take me up to 130. I want to be 129. I've blown my nose. I have powerful laxatives. I just peed. I spit until my mouth was dry to hit 129. That's astounding. All right. Sorry. Where were we? <laughs> So, but what's your number? My, B- my, my BMI number. is um, uh, 28.8. So I'm I'm almost too obese, according to this. Well, I was just thinking of it in terms of those stats he just gave it on how much more dangerous it is with the COVID. But anyway, the point remains that if that is such an indicator of how bad it can be for you, how do doctors not say, you know, and by the way, here's the situation. You know, I've heard from a doctor or two, I think, that... People know they're overweight. They don't want to hear it anymore, and they'll begin to shut you out if you lecture them too much. Well, does that seem to be working? That uh, that ideology. Well, that they've given up. In other words, uh, I it will do me no good to tell you this for the fourth time, and now you're not listening to me about whatever else. Do they take mm-hmm. similar approaches to things like blood pressure? 
Um, probably not. Or no. smoking or anything else. Yeah. I'm not trying oh, I'm to be sarcastic. Oh, I'm no, just no, wondering it's, if it's one of those things where, you know, if there's something your spouse does, you can bug them about it a certain amount. Then oh, you're yeah. just going to screw oh, yeah. the relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah. You just, you just have to it. accept it. Yeah. I, would, I would also say that even if the doctors didn't want to go into the whole, quote unquote, the, the, the fat shaming thing or whatever, even the. the you're lack, disgusting. You know, they're not going to do that. The lack of talk of just immune health and things that you can do to make your immune system more robust. If should you encounter this, I, I think is a, is another thing that's really lacking in the national. And I want my doctor to tell me whatever I'm doing that's not a good idea every time. Mm-hmm. But that's what I would like. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, humans are strange. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I have a follow. Oh, Bill Maher gets attacked a lot because he's a he's a skinny vegan. Is he a vegan? Yeah, know. I'm pretty sure he is. Look that up. It's not important, but I think he's a vegan. But anyway. Uh, and so he gets beat up for fat shaming or whatever. I would like to just so I don't have that problem here. I had fruity pebbles for dinner last no. night. So I am not. Not even for breakfast. <laughs> not even for breakfast. So he's not a he's not a vegan, but apparently he's a health nut. Okay. He doesn't eat anything from the supermarket. <laughs> whatever. Baby. Uh, quick follow up on the Obama speech there at the John Lewis funeral. I meant to get to this earlier. Lawmakers who attended the funeral in Atlanta last week are exempt from adhering to strict coronavirus quarantine guidelines upon returning to D.C. On July 24th, Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, a Democrat, issued a proclamation that stated all residents traveling to and from high-risk areas uh, need a 14-day quarantine, blah, blah, blah. According to a roll call, 50 members of Congress attended the funeral, including the Speaker of the House and uh, quite a few other people, uh, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Despite having uh, traveled to Georgia, which is high risk, people in power do not have to self-quarantine upon reentry in the nation's capital. They explain that uh, governmental activity is essential, so they don't have to follow the rules. So you do, they don't, just so you know the rules. Um, And one more thing, this is kind of a meme that's going around. It's a picture of the John Lewis funeral with Obama speaking. Obama tells a room packed full of people that, quote, rooms packed full of people, unquote, are unsafe, and that's why we must vote by mail. You can't make this up. (laughs) It is now my incredible privilege to present Final Thoughts with these moron Armstrong and Getty. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. President. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michael presses the buttons in the control room. Michael, your final thought? Yeah, I smell money. I'm going to go buy licorice, nacho cheese, and a couple of inflatable pools and go into the Pool rental business. Yes. Going to rent the bathtub, too. Oh, renting out bathtubs. Oh, my. Positive, Sean. A final thought for you. Yeah, I'm just uh, happy to hear that uh, those astronauts that Elon Musk launched into space from his backyard or landed back home safe, and now we get the get to do more learning about it. Yes, yeah, nice to have positive news, too. Yeah. Something awe-inspiring yeah. instead of awful. Jack, a final thought for us. I promised I'm not going to talk about being gluten-free anymore uh, because uh, I don't want to hear from anybody else, but... For my son's health reasons, our whole family started it last week. And my wife made some gluten-free banana bread over the weekend that was as good as banana bread as I've ever had in my life. It was so delicious. My I don't final know if it's doing me is, any good. I haven't had banana bread in years. You need to have more banana bread. Man, I love banana oh, bread. Oh, yeah. You put butter on it? Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> the butter needs to be as thick as the bread. Oh, I know it. Yeah. Buttery, buttery banana bread. That's good. I started to sound like Wilford Brimley. That's right. Eat banana bread. It'll fill your tummy. Help you with your diabetes. Exactly. Your diabetes. <laughs> That's right. 
It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. When you're not eating oatmeal, eat banana bread. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, morning, noon, night, banana bread. <laughs> I'm Wilford Brennan. It's, it's the right thing to do. It's bread made with bananas. It's, it's <laughs> banana bread, neighbor. <laughs> All right. Uh, Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can download all the podcasts. If you missed a segment of the show, you can uh, catch it there. There's some fun swag you can buy. T-shirts and hoodies and hats and and, and, and uh, coffee cups. Send us a picture of you in a T-shirt. They're fun to get. Why did Joe Biden delay his vice presidential pick another week? What do you think's going on there? He Got wandered off. They can't find him. <laughs> Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Kind of interested. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios. Mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Horace, what are you talking about? Let me tell you something, John. Next time you send one of them peddlers over to my house, I'm going to fill his caboose full of rock salt, and he can thank you for that. Arm